Welcome to this podcast series asking the question, can art save us? I'm starting the first national and international conversation about courage and curiosity. What do these qualities really mean and why does it make a big difference to our mental, societal and democratic health? I talk to award-winning and diverse artists across the arts to explore these qualities in their lives and work, both to inspire and for us all to learn. I'm exploring why we need these qualities to help change the global epidemic of mental illness, loneliness, polarisation of our communities and even global conflict. If the arts cultivate courage and curiosity, I'm asking the question, can art save us? And my guest today is Maris Cumber, one of the UK's most interesting ceramic artists. She presents her own emotions, fears and vulnerabilities in her work, and even cowardice shows up, probably kicking and screaming. Her large, oversized ceramic cups hold and display her emotions in a wonderful Tim Burton-esque way. I wouldn't be surprised to see her work dress some of his film sets, sharing edgy qualities of German expressionism, showing inner feelings, embracing the alternative, but keeping a healthy focus on individual strength too. These cups would dress a far more interesting Alice in Wonderland tea party, but like hot cakes, they sell out fast. As importantly, Maris is also the founder and director of Accumulate, the art school for the homeless, and she has been committed to creativity as a way of empowering people who are homeless to move forward positively in their lives. You could say helping to refill their own cups with possibility and opportunity. Hello, Maris. It's really great to have you here today. Hello, thank you. What a nice introduction. Okay, now listen, I always say never give your kids unusual names, all right? Because my name is Maurice, okay? So I should have said that when we were having a chat beforehand, but just so you know. You oh, go. bless you. Okay, so my guest today is Maurice Cumber. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Maurice, let's start with a very important statement you make um, on one of your cups where you celebrate. I am an artist now. Is this a journey of courage? Yeah, I mean, the reason, I mean, I made that was because it's about identity. And I think you have a vision of what you might want to be or who you are. And that vision is with you quite a long time. And sometimes it happens and that's great and you fulfill it. And sometimes it's hidden and suppressed and sometimes you just do something else and that's also really really fine and I went back to making ceramics when I was 57 and so um at a much more mature age I would say and I'd, I'd stopped working for you know stopped making ceramics for you know a good like 25 30 years just because of life really you know other responsibilities and I got what might you say is like spotted quite early on. And, um, you know, that piece I made for an exhibition I had last September and last January was my first public exhibition. So I, I, you know, within a very small period of time, I pivoted. So to answer your question, yeah, it was me saying I am an artist now, you know, I'm not going to be identified as, you know, an educator, uh, you know, I had a business, I'm a parent, I'm a wife, you know, I'm all these sorts of things, but really what I always wanted to be was being an artist. So it's like saying, I am an artist now. And if you turn over on the other side, it says the rest was just a substitute. 
because it was really saying about, you know, even though I've achieved, you know, some fantastic things when I look back, you know, I have, you know, achieved and, and had impact, but they were all in a way um, substituting what I really wanted to do, sort of dis- displacing what I, w- what I should have been doing with something else um, because I was either too cowardly or I didn't have the time or I didn't respect myself enough or I didn't value myself enough or I didn't think I was good enough. But hey-ho, here I am now at the age of 60, you know, an artist and selling my work. And like it's like incredible to be able to say that. It's really exciting. And I really wonder if there was almost a moment, you know, when you describe having to wrestle with things like cowardice or the fear of making that big change, you know, was there a moment where you had to really confront that? What did that feel like when, however frightened you may have been, you finally decided I'm doing this anyway? That's interesting. So you referred earlier on about Accumulate. Okay. And Accumulate is the art school for the homeless. And we have some really fantastic exhibitions and one of these exhibitions was hosted at the Guardian, which is like fantastic, right? And it's everybody's there and it's all buzzing, happening. And a very old friend came up to me and whispered in my ear and he goes, this is all very well, Maurice, but when are you going to get back to your ceramics? And that was like a dagger to my heart. It was all saying, like, well, this is all nice, but show busy or whatever, but, you know, gives you a status, maybe you could look at it like that, the exhibition, but actually at the heart, you're an artist and you're just denying yourself, you're avoiding it. And literally the next day, you know, I just thought that's it. And I went and sort of rented, you know, a studio space in a sort of like community-led studio, very, very soft and early steps. And, you know, went and rented it, you know, I think you're allowed to have like 15 hours a week or something like that. And, you know, the first day I go there and you just smell the environment, the clay, the kilns, you know, you look around you and I just thought, yeah, this is, I'm just, I'm just feeling good now. So, you know, so it was like, um, yeah, it was that moment. I think it was like 2017, 2018. So is this your sense of freedom? Is the smell of clay your sense of freedom. Um, You've been very clear about um, talking about freedom and how it's different for everybody and very positive in that no one is stopping me now, as you put it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the only person that stopped me doing what I should have been doing, even though you have external pressures, is me. And I think this is uh, very prevalent, actually, for women. You know, no woman feels... No, you know, women often feel under pressure to not do their creative activity or what actually gives them that huge fulfillment because they've got to be in this sort of mother role, right? No man gives up their painting, their writing, their photography because they've got kids. That just doesn't happen. Well, not no man I know has given that up, right? And said, oh no, I don't have time because I want to do spend, spend all this time with my kids. But for women, it really is a challenge. It's a huge challenge to say, I'm shutting the door. I'm having my own space. You know, I need to do this. I need to do this. And we deny ourselves because of these external pressures. And because of the external pressures, that need just gnaws at you. And, you know, um, it's it, 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 it's like a, a boiling, you know, pot inside of you, it gnaws at you, you don't feel fulfilled, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're resentful, you don't feel valued, you haven't reached what you needed to reach, you know, that's inside you for so long, and for me, that was inside of me literally for like 25, 26 years, you know, 
I've made these like extravagant birthday cakes. I mean, honestly, you should have seen them. You know, I, you know, I was channeling my creativity into these very sort of substituted sort of um, areas. You know, there's almost that I'd get some sort of like you know validation, but really it wasn't what I needed to be doing, which was actually getting rid of all this stuff inside of me. And so, yeah, I mean, I've got the freedom now. You know, and I yank. You know, I yearn for more freedom. You know, nobody can have total freedom or maybe some people can have that but I don't have total freedom because obviously I've got other commitments but it's it's I also recognize that that freedom or that denial was actually me I can blame whoever I can blame circumstances I can blame you know relationships I can blame all finances I can blame all of that but actually the main person I can blame is myself it's really interesting that um you can state that so honestly because I think we're probably all too good at holding ourselves back it's very easy isn't it to have those voices of doubt nagging away um and I wondered if from your point of view if you think that's even worse perhaps when what we want to do is in the arts or a creative environment because our culture prefers hard subjects if you like it cultivates a sense of being risk adverse if you want to be creative I think I think it's a very difficult thing because obviously with art in the respect visual art is a thing you maybe you do in isolation you know what I mean you need a space wherever you go off and you do your drawing or your painting your collage whatever it is I mean sometimes it's just thought I just want to sit in an empty space I think if you start going to things like, oh, I don't know, your local choir group, your theatre group, you know, it's got a slightly different focus in a way. It's a group activity, you know, it's whereas maybe doing visual arts can be seen as as really for the self in a different way. It's not like a group social. You know what I mean? You're you're just you're just by your yourself. Um so I think that's a challenge. I think it's it, it, people can, if they don't come from that background, especially of the visual arts, they're not necessarily going to understand the need, the core need to be able to do it. I think when you spoke about your introduction about mental health and all of that, I know that my mental health severely suffered because I was not allowed to be my true self or I didn't enable myself to be my true self by just demanding that I have space and time and the resource to, to do this. I should have just done it, you know. And and so I think, you know, what you're saying is is perfectly right. You know, I think COVID woke up a lot of people to the value of creative arts. You know, so many people turned to activities like embroidery or, you know, singing online or, you know, getting to do, to do writing or, or they were doing more creative activities because they realized that actually it rewarded them and it served a purpose and it helped them mentally you know we were struck in a time when we were lonely we were bored and we were frightened actually and we needed something to take our mind off things and people to escape and all of a sudden people are leaving their their careers to go and do woodworking in Somerset I don't know whatever but people understood that actually there was a really big value in that crisis time the pity is especially with this government is that actually they're not realizing that 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 if we 
inputting more resource and more infrastructure to enable more people to undertake the arts, we could actually address some of the challenges to do with mental health and well-being, which are prevalent across our society and even more so after COVID. Yeah, and you've been you've been very clear um, in other interviews about how creativity is incredibly good for mental health, but that it's essential. And I wondered how you might want to unpack those critical values when you when you talk about it being essential. The fact that this government has stripped the arts out of schools. Um, is really denying it a place of value. Um, so I'm interested in, in how you see the critical values of creativity. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. It's seen as the arts is a nice to have rather than a must have. And, you know, it's obviously it's good for mental health, but from a cultural point of view, you know, it's it's incredibly important. The value of the creative sector to the economy is, you know, huge. And, but it's now going to be done despite of the of the cuts, rather than being supported through, you know, um, you know, policy or, or you know, resource being 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 used in that way. It just shows that there is little value that comes at that level, that government level, and that actually starts to influence people's thinking, and especially when there is huge budget cuts that are going across different sectors that may be the one that will go because, you know, it's a nice to have, it's not seen as essential and there are higher needs on the agenda. And I think that more needs to be done, especially if we talk about inclusivity and, um, you know, different audiences. I don't feel that it's positive as a nation that the arts and across the across all the arts, across the whole of the sectors, is seen as something that lovely kids have of an afternoon when you know it's being paid for as an after-school activity because those only the certain demographic will be able to take advantage of that and then what does that say about our nation that arts is almost exclusive to the privileged whereas actually it needs to be even more so for the people that maybe don't have that resource who would benefit beyond the activity itself but would also benefit from a personal well-being you know mental health point of view we should make it as an essential we know what the benefits are we saw them in covid if it was so clear then then why why are we not continuing it and your work founding and directing accumulate must just be almost a constant testimony to that point of view. Um, for the listener's point of view, uh, maybe you could just share some context on, on what it is you deliver at the art school for the homeless. But I'm really interested to hear what kind of transformations you witness. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Accumulate is the art school for the homeless. So we run creative workshops and activities throughout the year, like in terms. And it's about using creativity as a tool for empowerment for people who maybe um, would benefit from that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like skills, confidence, well-being, community is really, really huge. Um, and that's all delivered through these workshops. And the workshops are delivered by um people from industry or professional tutors, you know, it's at a really um, high level of, of expertise. And we also run scholarships for people who um, apply um, to go on to access courses. So, so far we've run, 
we've got to, we've delivered 24 scholarships and 12 of those people have gone on to degrees so when you talk about how does it all change once a person is onto a degree like you can just basically you can strike home being homeless off the list because they're able to get a loan and they're able to therefore move out of the hostel and into their own accommodation they are a student they're at university with their peers they're on a creative journey their future looks really really different the people around them will be their support bubble rather than maybe people who are living in a hostel who may be also suffering from other maybe complex needs or, or situations. So, you know, you, you've broken the cycle of homelessness definitely for those 12 people, if not more. So you're asking about, you know, the transformation. First of all, you know, we feed back and evaluate all the Accumulate workshops. Obviously, you've got the huge success stories, but I remember on one feedback form, uh, we, we said, you know, what, what changes have you noticed through attending Accumulate calls? And obviously you want to say, oh, I've made loads of friends. My confidence has increased. I can see a future for myself. There's all these sorts of stuff. And one person wrote, getting out of bed. And that, for me, is as huge as the other person who has won a scholarship and gone on to university. Because you can't start to make those steps towards improving your future unless you take those small steps, which might might mean just getting out of bed in the morning. And that's great. So, you know, so obviously we've got transformations like that and people can can witness those or, you know, um, can identify those. But we've also had really significant, you know, uh, changes that we can identify when people report back. You know, we've, um, we had one person called Mitchell who had been in and out of prison seven times in the year previous to Accumulate. He was shoplifting, he was on heroin, and he was drinking, and he was, you know, homeless, etc. And um, he came to Accumulate, he started to work with us on something called the Book of Homelessness. Throughout that year, he started to reduce his dependencies, and he um, won a scholarship went to Ravensbourne on the one-year access course. In that year, he came off completely off drugs, even off meth and drink. And um, he started to get paid work for his creativity. You know, he started to deliver some workshops with us for, you know, the Barbican on their community scheme. And now he's about to enter the second year of his degree. From his access course, he got accepted onto an illustration degree. And now he's, you know, he's he's there. And, and I'm so proud of him but also for being open about it but you know to witness that is is like huge and to think that you know accumulate played some part in that is incredibly fulfilling for me as well as testimony to actually what going to a weekly workshop in you know with with in any creative engagement creative area what it actually can do for that individual yeah, it, I mean, it's it's an enormously powerful example. And I also think it highlights the different experiences and relationship we all have with courage, because we tend to associate courage with heroics, you know, life-saving heroics. But I'm interested in whether we should recognise courage in more ways, and in terms of personal development, that example of just getting out of bed could actually be quite a courageous act for someone who's feeling depressed. For someone 
who may have always been in the homelessness system, you know, with no obvious support, no ways of building confidence and resilience. And I wondered if you might agree with that view and in terms of courage can help create a sense of self-respect and that that is part of our well-being. Mm. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, it is brave and it's courageous to say, I'm going to try and improve in, in some way. I mean, I now talk about it. For a long time, I didn't talk about it. But about 2010, 2011, um, I had um, a bit of a sort of a breakdown sort of thing. I, I sort of drove to work one day and I just couldn't even get out of my car. And I drove home and I spent a year on the sofa, really, sort of watching... Thelma and Louise endlessly, or, you know, my other one was Erin Brockovich. <laughs> I like that one as well. Right. And I just used to watch them over and over again. Anyway, but in that year, what I realised was, even though it was incredibly tough, what I realised was, and what I kept telling myself, was I'm going to be okay, and I know I'm going to be okay, because I've done, I've been there, do you know what I mean? I've done some great stuff in my life, and I'm going to be able to get back to it it's not the right time to do it you know I literally need to take a year out but I'm going to be there I'm going to get there now if you had had no positive experiences in your life or very little positive experiences in your life and you're in an environment where everybody around you is suffering in different ways the notion that you're going to have that courage to say you know what I'm going to break away from this like where are you going to get that from you, where are you going to find it? It's going to take a very special, very, very unique person to say, actually, I'm going to be able to get away from this. So, you know, with Accumulate, what we do is is we give them those tools. You know, even just coming to a workshop. I don't care if somebody comes to a workshop and literally, and we have had people and they literally just sit there. I don't care, right? Because them actually getting to that workshop is is like huge, right? So I had somebody who came to us in lockdown. She wanted the art kit, so we were sending out the post. And we were also doing these Zoom workshops, and she didn't want to attend the Zoom workshops. It was just really, like, too much for her. You know, she just couldn't do it. And, you know, but when we sent out the art kits, it said, don't forget to click onto the Zoom workshop on such and such a day, whatever. And eventually she did start to come. And in the beginning, it would just be her name. She wouldn't speak. And then after a while, you know, that was, that was a big barrier for her. Then after a while, she was on the workshop. She would speak, but you still couldn't see her. And then she got to the stage where she'd open up her camera. And now she regularly attends our workshops. Now, that journey is, like, huge, huge, right? So she definitely deserves an award for courage. In fact, they all do. But as I said... You know, just leaving that hostile environment, coming to an Accumulate workshop, you know, getting on that bus or that train or whatever it is, that's probably like that very first step. It's a bit like, I don't know, going and doing exercise. I mean, I had to do my exercise this morning. I mean, I made every excuse under the sun why I don't need to do exercise this morning. <laughs> but I did it. And in the end, I feel really great, right? I'm going to have a great, huge lunch as a reward. But that's the same for other people. You know, you'll, you'll de deny yourself the opportunity of doing it and you'll make every excuse not to. 
And then, you know, if once you start to do it, you're going to feel a lot better. Now you've got the dog yapping in the background. Can you hear the dog now? <laughs> it's all, all right, part of life. It's part, listen, it's part of, uh, you know, 21st century living, yeah. <laughs> but what you're talking about is really important, you know, that we are talking about acts of bravery, but we don't really recognise our own acts of bravery. Like, like you were just describing, coming along, just sitting there to eventually turning the camera on to eventually coming regularly are huge acts of bravery but we're not really encouraged to understand that and I don't mean so we go around trumpet blowing but to at least afford ourselves some self-respect yeah it's about acknowledging it you know I mean it's like I don't think this individual will acknowledge that you know but I think she knows that she's come a long way but she can't sort of say you know well done to herself maybe at this stage and it's interesting because I've seen um you've also um you know talked about the importance of recognizing these things and that your work reverses the hierarchy of hiding from from others complexities emotional difficulties pain challenges that you might be going through and it's interesting because you're recognizing that with the people you work with at Accumulate and of course You've authentically lived that yourself. Hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, when I first start, set up Accumulate, which was just after I, you know, had that terrible year off, and I and I, you know, um, set up Accumulate, and I, I think in that year I learned to be humble and have humility. You know, I was on a huge career path, whatever. And I just stopped. I just broke it. You know, I burnt every bridge. You know, I just said, that's it. I'm out, I'm out of here. Do you know what I mean? And I think now it's very, very different to then. I think now we're much more attuned to people being more open about their mental health. But back then it was, you know, it was a stigma. It was shame. People weren't re- weren't um, understanding of it or supportive of it. You know, it, you know, people taking breaks because of, of, of suffering from anxiety or stress. And if they did, they were almost like, you know, there was almost like this light around them which says, okay, they're a bit off the scale, do you know what I mean? Um, and not respecting mental illness as, as just as important as, as a physical illness. So, you know, you talk about my personal work now and what I say on my work. And I think it's when I started off, I was not making my work for anybody else but me. I made it purely to sort of get rid of all of that stuff that was inside of me. And, um, but what's actually happened now, because it's been shown publicly, is people connecting to me and telling me similar stories about how it resonates with them and for whatever purpose or reason it does. And, you know, and sometimes it's fantastic that it has that appeal or, you know, it satisfies some sort of need. And sometimes it's particularly harrowing. People are telling me it's very difficult stories you know and I, I don't know you know some you know it, it's hard in a way to know how to respond so yeah I suppose you could say I've got that courage now to sort of talk about my emotions what I what I feel how I see myself you know in the context of, of where I am now in my life I don't think I could have made that work when I was 30 I think, you know, I'm 60 now. I'm able to look back. I've got nothing to lose. I've got, I don't care. You know, I've achieved enough. I know that my work has a really broad appeal because it's very, very honest of the pain and the complexities that 
we all experience and maybe don't share. And I'm just saying, you know, my work is my way of sharing it. And and I'm proud of that. You know, I've been totally honest. I'm not portraying anything difficult, different than what I'm actually going through and how I'm trying to deal with life. Yeah, it's really a powerful example of, of how art can create this connection and dialogue and conversation. So the words that you use on your cups are so honest. Um, for example, I read The Cup of Longing. Um, it actually made the buyer cry because this related to the memory of your father and it has resonated with the buyer, for example. And I thought it was such a good example of how art can really help create connections and help expression even when it's an emotional outpouring. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're totally right about that one. I mean, I think that was about, you know, it said something about um, daddy's girl and the other side said just one more hug. And that's, you know, it's just all I wanted from my dad. Obviously, he's not, he's not around to give it. And then people, you know, so the person who bought it, I mean, she was just, you know, very emotional about it. And, you know, I've, I've, I've witnessed people be incredibly emotional about seeing my work. And I think it's just the bravery and the honesty, it's everything they felt. And, you know, when people make that purchase of my work, it's not because they need something to fill the, the shelf on, on beside the TV, because it, it's not, they're not easy works, but it's because they feel like compelled to own it because it's so resonated with maybe their own personal experiences. So I suppose, yeah, you know, I feel privileged. You know, I've, I've made work, I've sold, you know, I'm very, very lucky. I've sold a lot of it and I don't, and... I know that everyone that's bought a piece of my work has bought it for really intense personal reasons. It's not because they like the colour blue or whatever it is. It's because it really meant something to them. So I have no regrets about the work that I've sold. You know, you're always told to, to hold back a significant amount, and I haven't held back a significant I mean, I have held back some, but not maybe as much as I should have done. But I am... Um, I am fine with that because I know it's healed somebody else as much as it healed me in making it. Yeah, it's really interesting that, that using the word healing as well because it's like your very honest expressions on your cups um, are really helping people relate and rationalise their own emotions. And when I think back to your point of burnout if you like when you mentioned you know how exhausted you were but do you look back at it with an additional perspective now in terms of burnout because there was that lack of expression that lack of creative expression or that denial of something else is that what puts the the flame out as well I mean you know I valued myself in how powerful I was in the workplace. I mean, that was where I put myself, you know. I, I, that's what you're taught to do. You've got to climb the ladder. You know, it's really good to be working all the hours, to be so in demand and so wanted, you know. And it was just it was just um, displacing something. It wasn't, you know, fulfilling in the same sort of way. Now, you know, I mean, I literally broke because I was overworked. I was... Um, it was a ridiculous um, amount of um, responsibility I had. There was no support available. You know, I can contextualise it all now, but I just, I just couldn't carry. I had, a, you know, a horrific 
boss who was, you know, made, you know, enormous demands on my time and, and all my personal time as well, you know, and that I had to do, do you know what I mean? Because otherwise, what does it say about me, how, you know, committed I was to work or whatever? You know, it's funny you ask that question because now I look back and I and I'm actually grateful for it because I look at my life now and what I've what I've got and you know the work I've done with Accumulate and how significant that's been how fulfilling and rewarding on a personal level it is to me but also how much it's helped to change people's lives you know and and really um, enable them to 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 progress I mean that's the biggest blessing to know that I've done that. You know, and I can actually talk about those individuals. When you're at management level, and I was at management level in higher education, you don't know the students. I mean, they're just like cheese sandwiches. Do you know what I mean? They're like fodder, and you've just got to be recruiting and, you know, or whatever. You know, you you don't know them as individuals. You don't know their stories. With Accumulate, I know everybody, you know, and I, I don't ask about their stories unless they want to tell it to me, but I know them personally as if they're you know, my my personal friends, you know, because we're working together as part of a community. They're in this accumulate community with me. So I think, you know, I feel privileged. I feel, I also laugh. I just think if I hadn't gone through that awful year, I wouldn't be doing my art. I don't think I would, I would have taken a lot longer for me to get there. Um, I wouldn't have the freedom I've got now. And I just feel bizarrely grateful for it. Do you know what I mean? I just feel... What I went through there taught me so much about myself and what was important to me and what my own purpose was. And it certainly wasn't, you know, being this hot shot because actually it was baseless, you know. You're only, you're only worth as much as you can do for that employer. And actually my worth was far greater than that. And, I, and now I recognise that. Yeah, and I think gratefulness is actually a really important quality to mental health and well-being in terms of you're having the time to be grateful if you see what I mean because you know those hot shot careers those over demanded jobs are basically a constant striving ahead and you're just kind of missing out your whole life because you're on to the next thing and the next thing so Great experiencing gratefulness is probably quite a powerful thing for you to actually just stop and realise you can feel grateful. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was horrific. You know, I won't, I won't deny that it was a horrific year, and it was very, 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 very hard for me personally. But I'm, you know, I don't think I could have carried on. Well, I was certain I couldn't have carried on, and you know, I'm grateful. Uh, my life that I have now, sometimes I walk down the street and a little smile appears in my face. I thought, you know what? You did it. You got there. You know, you got what you wanted, you know, what you set out to be when you first started. You know, I wanted to be this artist for whatever reason. It didn't happen. And I've had great, you know, a good career, but always at the, at the nub of it was something which was unfulfilled and frustrated. And, you know, and I was had this anger. And actually now I bizarrely if you talk about you know it's not like you know nirvana but I don't have it in the same I do not have that now I am happier in myself I'm much more fulfilled I feel good about myself and and that's a great place to be who wouldn't you know that's that's a great achievement you know I've got it now I'm 60 goodness knows how long it's going to last for but for however long it's going to last for I'm going to grab it with both hands 
And would you say that curiosity is a property of your creativity that has a healthy role to play? So, for example, when you became an artist, when you got your hands back on clay, for example, is it because there's a degree of openness you can investigate you can work with different mediums and you can exercise curiosity. Would you say that's part of a healthier approach for your own mental health? Yeah, I think it it enables me. I mean, I only do ceramics, okay? I don't, you know, I don't work in other ways. I mean, I was very aware that I was using my creativity in my career, you know, creative thinking and problem solving and all those assets, but actually making work it's only now I'm really am um, making work I think what's what's great about being able to say that I am an artist now is it validates the need for me you know to go to exhibitions to go to galleries it's not like a pastime it's not like something I would do and I'd walk away from it I do it and I reflect and I think and I use my experience <clears throat> you know to enhance what I'm doing my learning ha- capacity has increased and so I think the aspect of curiosity is about um, being ready to absorb new types of knowledge because it has a purpose, because it gives me another stepping stone, I suppose, in, in how I make work or how I see work or, you know, the influences that you have. You know, I'm constantly looking at you know, I'm really particularly interested in the sort of Aboriginal, you know, Australian painting, you know, all the mark making, stuff like that, you know, and and it's joyful to be able to look at it. And I don't like go and take photos of it and copy it, but it's obviously getting into my head, patterns, decoration, mark making, symbols, and that's often, you know, used alongside the words that I'm um, writing in huge letters on my work. You know, there's a very, very decorative element which is part of that, and and it's all about that. I suppose that bringing together of 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 what's blatantly obvious, but also that sort of embellishment that takes place elsewhere, and and that's you know those embellishment marks are what I'm seeing around me the whole time. I know time is tight, so I'm interested to talk about your examples you've witnessed of transformation accumulate, your own experience of transformation and becoming an artist. And we've talked about, obviously, the mental health impact. The series question poses, can art save us? How would you answer that question in terms of what you've experienced? Well, obviously, it's got a resounding yes. I don't think many people would come on your podcast and go no, <laughs> but, but um, um, yeah, you know, it has. It's, it's totally saved me, without a doubt. If I hadn't, I mean, you know, accumulate is super fulfilling. You know, it, and it takes up you know a significant amount of my time. But I still think if I'd have still carried, you know, if I had not gone gone back to the studio and started making there would still be this slight edge this niggle this slight scratching that would be inside of me you know because I was you know accumulate is a creative product the way I think about it what we do how it's managed how it's planned forward all of that is you know uses very draws very heavily on my creative thinking but it doesn't 
it doesn't make me a creative practitioner. You know what I mean? I'm I'm using my creativity and I'm I'm um, shifting it into a different way. But actually, the actual making process is what actually I find the most deeply fulfilling and rewarding inside of me. So yeah, art definitely saved me without a doubt. Right. So that's number one. And number two, it's an art save. You know, when I look at Accumulate and I look at the people that have come through it and I look at people like Nicole and Crystal and Lisa and Mitchell and, you know, other people, you know, I, I and I look at them and I say, it's given them so much. It's given them the, the um, you know, there's one person, you know, that I mean, I'm not going to mention names, but, you know, she came to the first workshop with us in 2020 and she literally sat there and she had her sleeves over her hands. You know, she was crawling inside of her jumper because she was so uncomfortable with herself and everything. And she couldn't quite, you know, it took a long time. And when she spoke, this was in September 2020, she spoke. She said it was the first, you know, a time that she'd been with other people since, you know, the six months of COVID, since the March, she'd been in her room, you know. It was a huge challenge for her. She went on, she's, you know, a scholarship winner. She's been given places at both Central St. Martins and at Chelsea to study fine art at degree level. I mean, honestly, that is brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. So can art save us? Yes, it can. And can it do so much more because the people that have gone through this process will be contributing in different ways to society, but also they'll be, they will feel whole and feel good and feel able and the drain if you want to talk about that on you know mental health service on medication you know is reduced you know the misuse of substances is reduced the feeling that people can actually do more with their lives and feel good about themselves is increased and so yeah art definitely saves us and I just wish there was more of it because hell this nation certainly needs it now I couldn't agree more. Um, it's fantastic having your perspective on this. And wouldn't it be great if some of your cups could become huge public installations and maybe remind us all how important it is to fill our own cups with the things that make us well and belong and connect happier? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's... It's definitely, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't seek that glory. I don't, you know, it's not really what I'm about. But if I feel that that honesty and that bravery and that openness to talk about the difficulties that I personally challenge myself, you know, I've been challenged by personal difficulties, you know, just dealing with stuff. If that honesty and that bravery that I feel I'm able to do now because of what I've gone through, if that in any way helps somebody else to think differently or to think they're just not alone, you know, I think that's fine by me. One person is fine by me, you know, and so it's it's great to have what I've got now. I realise, you know, it's, it's taken a lifetime or whatever, but I'm feeling very, very privileged and lucky to have it. I don't take it lightly, but I struggle to get here. I'm here now and I ain't giving it up. <laughs> that's a certain <laughs> do not give it up and a gigantic congratulations for being 
brave enough and courageous enough to get there, you know, to face those challenges, to get there and to be kind enough to share what that means and what that looks like. Yeah, it's funny what, you've got to learn. It's funny what you learn at the end. Of it. Sorry to interrupt. It's funny, you know, what you learn through doing it. But, you're abs- you know, thank you for saying that because as much as it's, it's just like accumulate, as much as it's for other people, at the core it's for me. And thank you. Oh, no, you're, you're more than welcome. Thank you for sharing it. I'm hoping that, you know, these perspectives will really be inspiring for people that listen, you know, um, about what change can take to recognise their own acts of courage, to recognise we're often all very vulnerable, often. Um, but your stories and examples are, are really inspiring. So thank you very, very much for making the time today. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I'm sorry I'm going to rush. It's like one of those, like, you know, back-to-back Zoom call meeting days today. But thank you. Okay. Good luck. Bye. Bye.